was working in the children's space doing some community service for us. And he was painting the walls and doing things. We're trying to get ready for vacation Bible school. Um, but he was done at like 5 o'clock, and I get a call from him at like 8 o'clock at night. I'm like, hey, what's going on? He's like, I can't find my keys. I'm at the church. I've looked everywhere. I can't find them. He'd been searching for his keys for three hours. And he did end up finding them. They'd fallen off the air conditioning unit or like underneath there somehow. But this guy, for like three hours, there was like nothing else on his mind other than seeking, searching for his keys. We see this word in Colossians chapter 3, this word seek in verse 1. I'm going to read it for you. If then, Paul is writing, you have been raised with Christ, seek, there's that word, the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. There that word is seek. We see this word seek throughout the New Testament. So this word must be important. And in order for us to really understand, I believe, as God put it on my heart, we need to kind of go on a journey. And I've been accused of, hey, just get to the point instead of telling me the whole story. But I think here it's important to just hear the whole kind of story. And my prayer is that it all kind of comes together in the end about seeking. And where I would like to start is Jesus tells a parable. A parable is a story with heavenly meaning, heavenly purpose that Jesus tells, this parable, and he talks about seeking, seeking. So there's that word again, seeking. So I want to set the scene before we go to Luke uh, chapter 15. Um, <clears throat> Jesus, in his time in the Jewish culture, it was all about honor, And shame was avoided with all that you could do. All that you were, you would avoid shame. So it was all about honor. And here we see this scene where Jesus is set up with Pharisees and scribes and religious people that were all about honor. But we also see with him as he's teaching are uh, sinners, those who have shame. And Jesus tells this story about seeking. So I'm going to go ahead and turn there. In Luke chapter 15, verse 1. As I'm turning there, what I want you to see is that we will also see in Colossians, what we've studied before is that Jesus is talking about this false truth. The Gnostics were teaching about these false things, about the rules that man were making and not the grace and the mercy of, of Jesus. And so, he, so Paul was disputing that. And then Paul shifts to kingdom truth. And we're going to see that here with Jesus as well. In Luke 15, 1 through 2, I'm going to read that. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So here we have this scene of religious people of honor, tax collectors and other sinners that are of shame. And Jesus tells a story of a lost sheep, and then he drops down to the parable of the lost coin in verse 8 through 10. Jesus says this, Or what woman, 
having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it. And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I have lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. He turns this thought from those of honor to those of shame. Those that are there that are sinners, that are tax collectors, their ears perk up and they say, wait a minute, this guy's talking about me. He's referring to me. I'm the lost coin and he's saying that God is searching for for me, those that are lonely and poor and hurting and lost that are always feeling shame. They related to this parable that a sinner could be sought by God, can repent, and all of heaven rejoices. Jesus shifts the focus from the honor to those of shame. And he speaks specifically about seeking, seeking. So one would apply in this word that seeking brings about the kingdom of God. The sinner repents and becomes a believer, and the kingdom of God grows, and all of heaven rejoices. So seeking is part of the kingdom of God. So why is the seeking and kingdom of God so important? As I mentioned before, the bottom line up front, as we called it in the military, you have a operations order about what you're going to be doing, accomplishing in this mission. And at the top, it says, bottom line up front, commander's intent. Don't forget, this is the most important thing that there is. And sometimes we as Christians, we forget what the most important thing is as we walk with Christ. And I believe Jesus tells us that. His disciples said, Lord, teach us how to pray. Do you remember what Jesus said? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Holy be thy name. Glorifying God, because he is holy, is the number one thing that we do. If you look at Augustine, you look at Luther, you look at any of these guys, they were all about Calvin. You look, at, you look at them and you read the Bible, they're all about glorifying God. Like that's our number one thing as Christians that we do. Holy be thy name. His name is holy. We glorify God in all that we do. That's the number one thing. Number two, Jesus says, he goes on, thy kingdom come. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So number two, he says, thy kingdom come. Glorify God, and then thy kingdom come. Number two. We're going to see in Colossians chapter 3, 1 through 17, that Paul moves away from this false teaching, teachings of the Gnostics into truth that if these things are done, it glorifies God and it sees God's kingdom come, is the way that I read those verses in chapter 3. 
So I wanted to lay that out for you. Number one, glorifying God. We see in Colossians chapter 1, verse 10, it says, As to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Paul says, all these things that you, that you learn and you do, it is as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. To glorify God is to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. To live under God and His rule as our King is to glorify God. Number two, the kingdom to come on earth requires seeking, requires seeking. I may have told you before, Matthew 6, it's etched in my brain. There was a, our old Bible study teacher would say it every Sunday, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And His righteousness and all of these things will be added to you. There's that word seek again. Seek as if you're my mom who has lost her keys. Seek as if you're the lady who has lost the coin. Seek first. Jonathan Edwards said that seeking God is the main business of a Christian. The main business. And the promise that God gives us in all of these verses, and we're going to see this in Colossians as well, the promise that God gives us is that He will provide. All these things will be added to you. He's talking about what you eat, what you wear. All those things will be added to you. God will provide everything that you need if you seek first the kingdom of God. Let's go into Colossians chapter 1. Chapter 3, verse 1 through 4. I'm going to read this. If then you have been raised with Christ, there it is. Seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is, who is your life, appears and you also will appear with him in glory. These verses are telling us that we, we got a new king. We, we have died. We are now alive in Christ. That we have a new king. I heard someone say that everyone in heaven, there's no defiance to the king for anyone that's in heaven. Everyone obeys the king perfectly. To seek, this word again, is to set your mind on. It's a priority. It's not this and it's not that. It's the priority. To not get distracted by this or that. It's to have a priority. Number one is to seek first the kingdom of God. And as I was studying this, I got a study Bible uh, in my office, and I looked up that word first, and I went to the back, and I was looking at it, and it said neuter. And I was like, neuter? Like, this is really weird. Like, that's a weird word for first. But it said not this or that. Not this or that, but to focus on the priority. So the Bible can be interesting in studying. 
And I was like, I was like on that for like two hours. Like, what does this mean? I was like, not this or that. It means like this is the priority that you're focused on first. Like that kind of makes, I wouldn't really use that word, but it kind of makes, kind of makes sense. You're welcome for the visual, by the way. But it doesn't say, like, seek only. It says seek first. Seek first. I mean, you have other priorities in life, right? But it says seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. There are other priorities we have in life. But it's to be reminded to seek first. First. Verse 5 through 11. We roll through this. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in your sexual immorality, impurity, passions, evil desires, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self, which its practices, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek or Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian. Can't say that word, but that's like, like the worst of the worst barbarians. It's like the... There's like barbarians, but then there's the worst of the barbarians. They're slave and free, but Christ is all and in all. And in all. And as Christians, we're all the same playing field. We're all equal in the eyes of the Lord. But this is telling us that the, the old is gone. If you've been around Christian circles, you've probably heard about taking off the old garments, putting on the new garments. Like the old is gone. We've died Just as Christ left his old garments in the grave, we should leave our old garments in the grave when we die. And we put on something new, just as Christ did. You are saved by God's grace through faith alone. We talked about that last Sunday. And, and, we also continue to seek God to grow in who we are, to be sanctified, to become more like Christ every single day. And the reason why I believe is because we bring more glory to God that way. The more we look like Christ, the more glory we bring to the God, the more we bring the kingdom to earth as it is in heaven. If you woke up tomorrow and you are the son or a daughter of the king of England. Now you just realize like a DNA test was done, boom. You're the son and daughter of a king. Like something happened when you were a kid, I don't know, but now you're a son or daughter of the king of England. Like wouldn't you expect like some changes to happen in your life? Right? Like you're going to take off some old clothes, you're going to put on some new clothes. But there's some expectations of how you're going to look. And how you're going to behave and what you're going to do. Because now you're the son and daughter of a king. You're going to drink tea with your pinky out. You're going to hate Meghan Merkel. You're going to do all these things that kings and queens do. Because now there's a new expectation in your life. And it doesn't come, as a Christian, it doesn't come with obligation. It comes out of love. 
It comes out of just pure love that the Father has given to us, demonstrated through His Son, Jesus. That's why we want to do it. We don't do it out of obligation. And as a Christians, we it's the same. We have a new king with new expectations. The old Adam, the flesh, we died. We're new. We're with the new Adam. We're with Christ. That's our new king. We have put on the new Adam. In verse 10, it says this, And have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge, in the image of its creator. So we're being renewed every day. This is a, this is a process. In verse 7 and 8, it says, In these you two once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them away. I have not fully arrived to be just like Jesus. I don't know anybody here would admit to think just like Jesus. I got a long ways to go. And God's still got a lot of work for me to do. But some of the things in the past that I was walking in, by God's grace, by staying abiding in Him, say, Lord, forgive me a million times, help me to overcome this as I stay connected to God, that God has allowed me to overcome some things. Some things are still working on. But I haven't stopped seeking. And I haven't stopped trying. Because I love God and I, and I want to glorify Him in all that I do. The first step of putting something to death is to be watchful, to be prayerful, and to abide and stay connected to God. You can't do it on your own. Verse 12 through 16, it says, Put on then our new garments, put on the new as God's chosen one, Holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgive each other, as the Lord has forgiven you. So you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful let the word of Christ dwell in you. Right? Here's what we're doing today, church. Verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your heart. And I wonder, like, the thankfulness part of that. It's like, how do we go from taking off the old, putting on the new, being thankful, and it really comes down to that we are, as it says there in the beginning, we are holy and beloved. Holy and beloved. That we are special. We are treasured to God. We are His children. We are His beloved. And as the more we understand that and live in that, the more the kingdom of God comes. As we seek those things, we seek the Lord, we, 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 we try to stay connected to God to be that way, 
to put on the new garments. The more we do that, the more the kingdom of God comes and the more that God is glorified. To understand our position and the way that God sees us, I want to look at John chapter 1. John chapter 1, verse 12. Got so many verses this week. I'll be there in just a second. John chapter 1, verse 12. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children of God. Children of the King. 1 John chapter 3. Verse 1, I want you to listen to this. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And I like this part, and so we are. And so we are. Down in verse 2, I don't have that up on the screen, but it says, Beloved, beloved We are God's children now. Don't you just love that? The Word of God says, so you are. You are His beloved children. Above that, it's all talking about abiding, just staying connected to God, staying connected to Him. As we come together corporately to worship, look at God's Word, your prayer time, like all that is staying connected to God. And in Him, in and through you, He works through our weakness. His power is made perfect to help us to take off the old and to put on the new. I'm just amazed at how much God loves us. And He showers on us His love. And as children of the King, these verses instruct us as new creatures in a new kingdom. Colossians 16, it says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in wisdom, singing songs and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. That's what it means to be part of the kingdom as Christians to come together to do that. And at the end it says in verse 17, And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Seek first to do things that you may do in the name of Jesus. That is seeking the kingdom first. God will provide everything that you need. And you see the promise here? You see the promise at the very end of this? And it says, and give thanks. It's, it's, the Bible is assuming and saying that if you do these things, then you're automatically going to give thanks to God. It's, he's already going to provide, and all these things will be added to you. It's not if these things happen or something good happens to you, then give thanks. And no, it says give thanks. Like God will provide for you when you seek Him first. It's a promise in the Bible. Man and I started watching Alone. I don't just something just to take our minds. It was just, do you guys anybody watch Alone, like the survival show? At first, I thought it was kind of boring, and then I started watching it, and it's kind of a I don't know it kind of draws you in a little bit. Um, 
But they showcase the first 10 contestants, and they're each on their own, and they last one, you know, standing, it's like $500,000 or something like that. So living out on their own, and um, they're actually like all of them are catching fish, which is quite amazing. Um, But each one was catching fish and catching fish and catching fish, and they finally showed this guy, and he catches a fish, and he gives thanks to God. He said, thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. I was like, I wonder why there was only like one in ten that actually gave thanks to God, even though God is providing for them. And then I wonder, like, I was retrospect, like, introspectively, like, saying, like, I wonder if I would, in that situation, if I would have given God thanks. I was like, man, I was just, like, convicted. I was like, I hope I would give God thanks. I really do. But it's important as Christians to thank God for all that we have, all that He provides. Because as we seek God and His kingdom, He's the one that provides everything that we need. So for the application for today as we're getting ready to wrap this up, I wanted to go back to a story, a parable that Jesus tells about the kingdom. He talks about the kingdom of God is like, and he gives stories. Mustard seed, the yeast, leaven, all these things that Jesus talks about to help us understand what the kingdom of God is like. And one story, one of my favorite stories in the Bible, I'm going to turn there, Matthew 13, verse 44. Very short story, but one of my favorite stories in the whole, all the Bible that Jesus, this parable that he told. The parable of the hidden treasure. Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found and which a man found and covered up, then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys the field. Now, I believe this has double meaning. One for you and I with the kingdom of God, and the other one is Jesus and the kingdom here on earth. But this tells of a man who found a hidden treasure. He, he found the kingdom of God. He found the treasure, which is Jesus. And when he found the treasure, it says he covered it up, and it was his joy to go sell everything that he had in order to purchase this field so that he could have the treasure. That's you and me. Like when we find the treasure of Jesus, like it is our joy, should be our joy to seek Him no matter what. The kingdom of God. It should be our joy. If it's not your joy, I would pray that you would just ask the Lord, like, Lord, why don't I not have joy seeking you? Seeking you above all things, putting you as my priority. Why do I not have joy in that? This treasure that I have, why do I not have joy in that? If you're here today and you feel shame, if you feel lost, if you feel a long ways away from God, 
I want you to know that God can never be happier with you. You may feel a long ways away from God. You may feel like an outcast. You may feel like a sinner, but Jesus, he searches for you. He values you. He sees you of the utmost importance. The same with this story. That Jesus sees you as a treasure. He is searching for you. Those that are lost. Those that are without hope. And to prove it, when he finds a treasure... It says it is his joy to sell everything that he has in order to have it. And Jesus sold it all. He gave up everything that he had on the cross. He stepped down from heaven and the real kingdom to come to earth so that his kingdom could come. So he could find you as a treasure. So that he could die for your sins he could be nailed to the cross. He would die and be risen again so that you could have eternal life. And it says it was his joy to do so because of how much he values, values you, his beloved. If you've never heard that today, I pray that this is just freeing to you, that you're putting your faith and trust in Jesus that you see God the way that he sees you. I pray today that if you have shame and you feel a long ways from God, that that story of the lost coin resonates with you. Because Jesus turns from those with pride. He turns the story to those with shame. And he lets you know how much he values you so that you can have a position of honor in the kingdom as a son of as a daughter of the Most High King. And the Bible is clear that all heaven rejoices over one sinner who repents and turns to God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for your word. Lord, I pray that as, as we think about your word, that we are reminded that we are to seek you, to seek your kingdom, to turn our eyes to you, to make you our number one priority, to be reminded that we are now sons and daughters of the Most High King, that we are now in your kingdom. We're not of the kingdom of this world, we are in your kingdom. All because of your son, Jesus. All because of your mercy. All because of your grace. All because of our faith in Christ alone. Lord, I pray we are reminded that you just want us to search you, to seek you, to love you. Lord, I pray is... The only way to do that is to abide in you. The only way to know to do that is to know the love that you have for us. The only way to do that is to understand the cross. To understand that there is no way 
that we could ever be right with a holy God outside of the work of your son Jesus and our faith in what he's done for us. Outside of that, there is no hope. And because of our faith and our faith alone, Lord, that you call us sons and daughters, that we work from that. We don't work toward it. We work from it. And that should bring us joy. Lord, as we love you and we seek you, we pray that your kingdom would come and we become more like Jesus and it glorifies you because you are a God that is worthy of all the glory that we can give you. Lord, thank you that you seek after us first, that you call us your chosen and your beloved. Lord, I pray we can rest in that, know that, live in that every single day. And all God's people say.